to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. And we're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. This is episode 114. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host Ryan Ray. Ryan, we got we got all sorts of stuff going on. We got Iran, we got ships, we got all kinds of stuff going on, man. How's uh, how's things going on your end? Good, man. Good. You know, last week I was out in Midland. I'm a man of the people. Um, Josh, of course, was living the plush life back here in the DFW Metroplex area. But uh, went out there, had a good time. Was at Shack in the Back, met with some listeners and some other folks. And uh, we also had a correction, Josh, from last week's show. Um, I think we were talking about Carrizo. Uh, we said Carrizo, and someone sent in it. It's Carrizo, I believe, is the proper um, way to say that. So uh, apologies to... Carizians everywhere across the world. Um, but no, it's, um, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, English is like my third language. So <laughs> it's, you know, I, I need to be, I shouldn't be held accountable for, for not saying things properly. Um, so it's, it's just the way it is. But no, it was a good week. Good week out in Midland. Had fun. A lot of stuff going on. And uh, yeah, man, it's um, interesting times to say the least. Yeah, I was, I couldn't believe the news came out. I believe you sent me this story actually when you were doing something but uh iran had a revolutionary guard seizes one uk operated tanker in strait of hormuz hormuz um hormuz yeah hormuz uh you know we we talked a little bit about when they shot the drone down how the oil prices didn't really move that much and i'm wondering if we're gonna see a uh a, a bit more of a response to this because this seems to be too two seizures um within a couple of days of each other and it looks like there could be some stuff begin to develop with this i, I don't i don't mean war i'm just saying there could be some tensions that begin to escalate here that could they could um influence the market yeah as of the time of this recording um the price is at 56.04 so it's not necessarily high it's dropped below 56 actually 50 59 55.99 yeah i don't know josh it's it's and I don't remember if we talked about it on this show or the show with Ellen, but I really didn't believe that Iran, or Iran, as someone liked to point out one time, um, the Iranians really were interested in going to war, um, not with the U.S. or its allies. But it, they are pushing the envelope, and it makes you wonder how far they are willing to go here. They, they seized two tankers, as you mentioned. The second one, I don't, I don't think they kept it very long. Um but regardless, they, they are letting it go. Now, if you remember what the U.S. said, the U.S. said, if you mess with us or our allies, we're going to come after you. Now, they have drawn the line in the sand, and I'm not advocating for military war, uh, conquest or war or bombing or anything like that. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but the, the Iranians at least read the quote, and they've responded by saying, okay, well, here, we're messing with your allies. You know, when you had the... Uh, the mine, the mine incident with the mine blew up the ship, um, or the side of the ship at least. You know, I was like, okay, I'm not really sure about all that. Then you have the drone incident. It's like, okay, um, they, they're taking responsibility. Well, now they're they're, they're taking these ships down. Um, I say take them down. They're, they're at least seizing them. And it's like, okay, well, w- what is the end game here for the Iranians? And I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's just to, you know, puff their chest out and say this is what we can do. Um, but it, it's interesting because the markets. Are, are a little bit concerned, and they, they've come up with maybe a, a smidge, but overall, 
it's not like they historically have um, have reacted to this type of news. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens and, and how far the Iranians really will push this. Are they going to, you know, claim this is a moral victory? They they've got a you know they they captured a few ships for for a little bit of time and they let them go. They didn't get you know they shot down the drone. Um, are, are they going to kind of claim the moral victory and then move on? Or they can keep pushing this to the point to where the U.S. and its allies will eventually retaliate with some kind of military strike or, I can't imagine, an invasion, but uh, stuff like that. If that happens, then prices, I think, will ultimately really go up. Um, and if the Strait of Hormuz, if, if that continues to be tension in that area, it's a very small area. A lot of trip, trip, uh, oil and gas ship traffic goes through there. Is that area, um, if there's a fear that you can't get your ships in and out, that could actually rise prices pretty quickly. But it doesn't feel like we're quite there yet. And hopefully, from this mistake of a humanitarian standpoint, we don't get there. Yeah, it's hard to imagine what their end game can be, like you said, Ron. I mean, it seems uh, there'd have to be there have to be some angle that we're not seeing because to, it seems from my perspective that it's just a bad idea all the way around. I mean, um, their economy is pretty tough right now as it is, from what I understand, and I don't think that would improve it at all, uh, to say the least. So it would be interesting to see how this see how this unfolds over the next uh, week or so, just keeping an eye on what what it is they're doing if they're going to back off and or if they're going to you know stand their ground and and keep you know pushing the envelope definitely yeah and i wonder i wonder this you know will the u.s or the brits or whomever retaliate in kind by saying you know what you're taking our ships we're going to start really watching all the ships that come in and out of our of, of our own and um you know I don't want to know if harassing is the right word, but I'm putting pressure on them because even though there's the the sanctions on the Iranian oil, it's still getting out. So maybe you see kind of a, a tit for tat where okay, you're gonna mess with our ships, and there's some kind of some kind of harassment. Um, you know, they're claiming that there's a violation of international law here. Um, I'm not an international law expert, so I have no idea what those laws would be. But you can see where the uh, the U.S. rich allies can start claiming those types of things on ships coming in and out of a of Iran. Just a, just a little comment here at the bottom. Uh, maritime security in the Strait of Hormuz has deter- deteriorated in recent weeks after six attacks on oil tankers that the U.S. blamed on Iran, an allegation the Tehran government denies. The incidents have jolted the shipping industry with some of the 2,000 companies operating ships in the region on high alert, many ordering their vessel- vessels to transit the Strait of Hormuz only during the daylight hours and at high speed. So it is... Uh, Definitely, definitely something going on there that uh, that the companies are are addressing and responding to. So I didn't realize there were six attacks that have been. I thought it was only two. Uh, so definitely more, a little bit more going on than I was aware of here. Well, listen here. You had the two this weekend. You had the two from the mine. That's four. Um, is it? I, I had to think about. It. Maybe there's a. Um, I had to think about. It. Yeah, so six. I think what those other two would be. Okay. Anyways, go ahead, sorry. Well, definitely something that we'll we'll keep we'll keep an eye on and probably report on next week as well. Uh, our good friend Sergio Chapa, he released his drilling down report. We normally take a look at these briefly. Um, this report came out today. Uh, it says that it was released at 4 a.m. So uh, it's pretty good information, up to date. Uh, one of the things they that is mentioned here at the end is the top drillers in Texas. And I like to take a look at this every week. So Pioneer Natural Resources, surprisingly, was at 30 
from June 26th to July 17th, Exxon 22 and EOG at 21. Um, there's a interesting company, Surge Energy, that I um, hadn't really heard much about until, until this report came out. Uh, they had 14. So uh, it's pretty pretty good stuff. I mean, uh, the, the Chinese, uh, the Surge Energy is a Chinese-owned company that is drilling uh, the longest lateral for a horizontal well in the Permian. So uh, a couple of records broke broke this. Yeah, week. you know, I think Sergio's kind of stealing our thunder because we reported uh, a year or two ago on the longest lateral that was ever drilled at the time on this show, and so now it seems like Sergio has taken that. And uh, just incorporated into the things that he likes to talk about on a regular basis. So you're, you're welcome for that, Sergio. Hope it gets you a, a lot of clicks and views by taking our content. Um, you know, but I, I did wonder about this. You know, I would like to know in an honest moment when you see these record-breaking laterals, how much of it is out of necessity versus how much of it is it out of well. You know, if we drill an extra 100 feet, we can break the record, you know, or, or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, obviously, it's super expensive to do that, so it can't be done flippantly. But we do know that, that ego does kind of play a play a factor here from time to time with people. So I, I, I'm not saying it's true, but I, I am curious in general, um, you know, how that works itself out. But, you know, we haven't talked about this a lot on the show, Josh, but... I was reading a report the other day. There's 50-something rigs in Louisiana running. And then you can see here from Sergio's report that... Um, that they're getting ready to drill eight gas wells in St. Augustine County in East Texas. So, you know, we talk about diversifying, moving sometimes out of the Permian. It's a little bit harder to compete there. Louisiana, East Texas um, might be a lot more opportunity than we're, than we're actually aware of just because the coverage isn't, isn't as, um, um, uh, as in-depth, at least, as it is for the Permian stuff, and, and rightfully so. Well, uh, Kendra Morgan's definitely uh, pretty busy out in the, in the Permian right now. They... I think as to see, it is four wells in Yatesfield and Pecos County, three water supply wells in Border County, and one carbon dioxide injection well in Scurry County. So they've been busy for, for quite some time, a couple of deals that we've talked about recently. Schlumberger, or they're appointing uh, Mark Papa. He was the chairman of EOG. Um, they're appointing him as chairman of Schlumberger. And I don't know how much some folks have followed this, you know, book frackers that I mentioned last week. He also became the chairman of Centennial. Um, and this article from Seeking Alpha compares the uh, results that he had with EOG and Centennial and kind of what the forecast is for, for Schlumberger. He didn't do quite as well with Centennial as EOG. I don't know if that was a timing thing or if there were, you know, different different pieces with the companies that he could uh, he could adapt with but EOG did incredible when he was with them and I mean really looking at Centennial they did pretty well as well I mean just in the last you know few months where they started underperforming uh, yeah so a couple of corrections there one uh, Papa is, is the CEO uh, he might be the chairman as well, but he's the CEO of Centennial. Um, he's not the CEO here of Schlumberger. They got someone different. So just to be clear, he's he's the chairman of Schlumberger. He was the CEO of EOG and the CEO of Centennial. They got they, they're bringing in a new CEO as well. Um, but you know, yeah, so which this article that you're, you're referencing here, it's like well. Okay, um, the role of the chairman of the board versus the role of the CEO is not exactly the same, so I'm not sure if it's a comparison. The one thing that 
I, I thought about when I saw this news that he was being um, put on as the, as the chairman of the Slumberjay board is Papa has been pretty outspoken here in the last year, year and a half on um, the belief that the tier one acreage of the Permian is basically drilled up to run a tier two, tier three type stuff. And so I wonder if that means that Slumberjay will have a shift in how they approach the, the, the Permian, especially um, the shell marketplace. Or if it means that you know it's be kind of business as usual, and they're bringing in new people and going to you know just make some small corrections. But but I did I did think about that because he has said on two or three times I can remember at least publicly that he believes that the tier one acreage is there uh, is basically gone, and so he doesn't expect the the kind of um, um, returns at least as far as the ability to drill these 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 uh, the wells that produce at the rate they have historically. Um, he doesn't expect that to happen moving forward. So I think that's going to be the thing to watch is, is will this shift Schlumberger's position in the market moving forward? Or will they just, again, you know, make some changes, cut a little fat here? Um, and, of course, I'm assuming the CEO that they've appointed is in line with um, whatever Papa's beliefs are. So I think a year from now, six months from now, I don't know, whatever the next quarter conference call is, they might they might announce different directions they're going in. For us who are not summer jays of the world, it'd be interesting to, to see what they think the market's going to hold um, in the short term if they do continue this belief, as Papa said, um, that, hey, this, the, the best the best days are behind us, if you will. What does that mean for them, and how will they diversify? Obviously, they're a huge, huge corporation, so diversify is not exactly the right term, but will they begin to transition maybe um, out of some of this um, – um, the, 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 the shell, the shell focus. But anyways, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that's the thing to watch is um, with, with this, with this move here. So they, they may have bought into some of the stuff that Papa's been saying over the last year and a half, for one reason or another. And we don't know for sure, but it's possible that that could be why he's being brought. Yeah, on. and I don't know Summerjay's official position, so they may already have his position. I don't know. I'm just saying. I know Papa has been pretty outspoken about uh, the tier one acreage being drilled up, and I, I, so for me. Knowing that, and now that he's the chairman, they brought a new CEO. That's going to be. I'm just curious if that's. And again, some of these listeners who work for Schlumberger or follow Schlumberger pretty closely might have a, a better insight on what their thoughts are on the Permian and and the U.S. shell plays in general. Um, Idaho Papa has been very outspoken against it, and so that's going to be the question. Now, as the article points out, uh, you know when he was at EOG, he was kind of a pioneer, um, and but it hasn't worked out. Um, quite as well this next move so he's not always right super smart guy so anyways so if you're a listener you follow Slumberjay and we have some that, that work for him or follow him is this do you see this more of a shift of focus with bringing on Papa or uh, appointing him as the chairman and bringing on a new CEO or is this just again you know same thing. And again, Josh, we got to be careful. It's not like a company our size or a lot of listener sizes where it's a very small business. They're they're an international company. They're huge. They're you know, one of the top ones in the world. So it's not as if they're going to just cut everything out, but they might uh, shift to other assets, if that if that kind of makes sense. Well, Ron, we had a couple of corrections. We had to make a correction with Carrizo. Um, we had to make a small correction with uh, the one of the when you say we it Carl, when you say I, we you mean you I mean yeah well you just corrected me again with the little, <laughs> little CEO thing and then we have uh, you know Carl Iken is that right yeah I think it's close enough for for me and you who barely speak English we're going to call it close enough Icon well, we had the correction with Carl Icon yeah. or Iken uh, with Oxy some of the some of the conversations we had around that we mentioned that we were going to kind of keep everyone up to date on what was going on there. 
Um, he's putting forward some of his friends and allies to join the board. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I believe it was three close business allies out of his four uh, selections to replace half, nearly half of the Oxy mm-hmm. board. So um, I, I didn't want to mention too much about who they are, what they're doing. He does have about a 5% ownership stake in Oxy. And uh, and we'll keep everyone so, up to date on what's so, going but, on. But right hold now. on. Let's go back to that. One of the things we said when you led the listeners astray and said he's on the board is that he might be angling for more board seats. That's one of the things we theorized at the time. Now, we were that, we were on the, we were exactly on the right. track of him being on the board. He's not on the board, but here he is angling for board seats. Um, one is the former Shell Oil president and then three close business allies. Uh, Carl, if you need a guy to, to be a backup or substitute, just... Holler at me. I'll be happy to sit in for you. Um, Now, one of the things I wondered about, because we had a listener send in an anonymous tip, and they said, and I don't, so this is not Ryan, this is not Josh, this is, and I haven't looked this up to see if it's been independently verified, so I don't know. Did someone send this in to us? And said that Carl Carl was actually on board with the deal, um, and then kind of shifted his, his gears uh, on, on the situation. I can't remember the exact quote, but something along those lines. This article points out that um, he needs 20% of the, the, the shareholders to kind of back, um, to, to get this meeting held. But it also points out that their stock is down, was it 25%, 25%. since then? Now, let's... I'm just going to put on the tenfold hat here. This is full Alex Jones tenfold hat theorizing here. Um, what would be the most brilliant move ever, Josh, is if Carl thought this this Oxy thing was great. He uh, the, the, this this buyout of Anadarko, if he thought it was great. But what he what he wanted to do was buy more shares. So he creates this whole board proxy war to drive the price of the shares down. Come in, buy the shares, twenty five percent or however much lower they go, and then you know buys them for twenty five percent below the value they were, and then the price goes back up, and then he's sitting like a king, you know, five years from now when you know all this stuff goes on. So I don't know. I just got thought about that. That would be that'd be next level. Everyone's playing checkers. You're playing chess. You stir all this stuff up. You go. You buy the stock when it's down, and you're like, ah, well, you know, I tried, but I'm gonna back the current administration and. I'm going to show my support by throwing my money in here. <laughs> that would be that would be hilarious if it played out like that. And I don't know if it is or not. I know uh, some of the listeners probably follow uh, the investing side of things more than I do. But that, that would be, and I don't know, maybe there's rules against it. I'm not an SEC and investing expert. But I did think about that. I was like, you know, the, the price is down 25%. And if that, that tip we got is true that he was actually for the deal for a little while. Um, boy, that would be hilarious if he just kind of comes out and says, oh, okay, you know what? Let bygones be bygones. Here's here's, a, here's another billion, you know, and gets it on a 25% discount. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty level, pretty high-level stuff there. Yeah, that would be definitely interesting to see, you know. And if, uh, you know, in, in the future, if someone wants to make some different investments like that, TexasOilAndGasPodcast.com. If you need us to downgrade we, uh, your stock, we'll talk bad about your company. Yeah, we'd be happy to do that. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. and, uh, you know, five hundred million, something like that. We can start talking bad about them. We can make up stuff with the best of them. Sources, we can, we can, we can have a lot of quote unquote sources if we need to. That's what all the media does, anyways. We can just start having quote unquote sources like they do. 
But what do you think, Josh? I mean, I mean, obviously, again, that's probably some SEC violation, and you know, who knows what. But, but, um, but I did think about that. I was like, God, the stock's down twenty five percent, and I don't know. I, again, I can't say this enough. I don't know enough about the SEC procedures. Maybe when this is going on, he's not actually eligible to buy the stock. You know, who knows what's going on? I don't know if you can track when people buy it. Um, he pro- he's probably a publicly traded company. I don't know. I know someone like Speaking or someone can text me in and correct me and all this stuff but it, it would it just would be funny it wouldn't surprise me i would say that if, if that panned out um but uh yeah w- wouldn't that be like the ultimate gangster move to like downgrade the stock 25 percent and then come in and then snatch it up if again if that's even possible um i don't know that would be hilarious that would be we would be we would be watching uh some of the old school i i think uh Aubrey wouldn't he uh, he was he was doing he wasn't doing exactly that but it was close uh, and he was just pumping it. Well, why don't we just start the rumor now? That's what he's doing. We'll just say sources close to Carl <laughs> have told us. <laughs> Somebody's trying to ask <laughs> Sources close to Josh have told me that Carl's wanting to do that. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Sources close to you know, like Nate. Sources close to Nate have told us that's what Carl's plan go. is. So we're there gonna go. just throw Nate on the bus right there. He can't defend himself. So sources close to Nate has said that that's what Carl's gonna do. <laughs> well, you know, we've uh, we've had a report, uh, a couple reports come out about uh, the Permian slowing down. Here's another report. Um, this is from Forbes uh, that it came out July the twenty first. And the reason I, I like the article is it, it gave a little bit of insights into um, not that not that the Permian is slowing down, but that the growth is slowing down. So that that is a, a, a good clarification here, because that the Permian has been exploding so much for the last few years that the growth is is beginning to slow. It's still growing, uh, so it's still a, a pretty strong market out there, but it's not what it was a year ago, which. Everyone knew that couldn't continue. And not only that, Ron, but um, in speaking of this slowdown in the Permian, we've been talking about the bottleneck for I don't know how long. And this slowdown has been anticipated to be there because they're going to have to wait until more of these pipelines go online, which should – I mean, we're getting close to, I think, that opening up. And I believe production is going to ramp up pretty quickly once once those pipelines are online. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting about this piece, Josh, was um, we hear so much about the ducks. The ducks this, the ducks that. The ducks are going to keep production up, you know. Um, even if the production slows down, then the ducks are going to come online. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that the duck theory isn't true. I'm just still not – I'm just kind of – I'm just kind of watching for, for the um, – for the duck report, if you will, to see how these ducks ultimately pan out. You know, we are talking at the beginning of the show about Iran and, and what's going on there. Um, and we said, okay, these are some of the things that could impact prices. Well, if production continues to slow down, you're going to start to see that reflected. And assuming, got put these ducks on the side for a second. If production continues to slow down, um, well, then you're going to begin to see that in the um, 
inventory reports. You're going to start to see, well, the inventory is going to decrease, decrease, decrease. Uh, now you bring the ducks in and no one really knows what percentage of the ducks are going to go and, and all that. But you start to bring the ducks in, you could say that can supplement some of that. Um, you know, you could be in a spot to where theoretically a year from now that you're, you know, you're, you're seeing, um, or six months from now or whatever, I don't make price predictions anymore. Kind of figured that, that you know, I kind of got burned on that deal one time. But anyways, um, you can kind of see where, where, okay, production's down, inventory's up. I mean, inventory's down. Um, prices are going to go up. And so you can see a spot to where there, there, there's a demand there. As you mentioned, the pipeline stuff, um, there's a new report out. And what we talked about is, you know, late this year, and I read a, I read something the other day that said that, um, you know, late this year, early 2020 still feels like we're on pace. But then it said, I think 2022 or 2023 is kind of the next milestone based upon current projections, whatever that means. But current projections, 2022, 2023 is when you're going to see the next potential bottleneck for pipelines to come in place. Yeah, um, that's what I saw. And so... You kind of look at all that, and you just sit back. And that's why this is so hard to kind of understand. You're sitting here going, okay, well, if all the ducks come online, well, then, you know, okay, maybe maybe we're sitting there. And, uh, you know, the prices stay down because the ducks come online. And even though the, the, the demand growth, um, the, the growth is not as fast, there's still a lot of um, oil being put on the market. But what if the ducks aren't as profitable? I mean, aren't as um, – don't produce as much. Or what if the – the rate of um, companies pulling back their rigs is, is faster, so it's it, that's right. I don't. I'm sitting there going, mm, I don't know. The, the the end of this piece says that the EIA projects that U.S. shale oil will continue to grow for the most part uh, for the most of the next decade. Should it falter sooner, while global demand continues to grow at uh, less than one million barrels per day, then we should see a return to higher oil prices. You know, and that's the other thing is a lot of these predictions on the prices are based upon what they believe the global demand is going to be. And the next piece I think we're talking about is going to tie into some of that as well. Um, and the global demand is based upon forecasting. So you're getting all this stuff, man. That's why it's so hard to, to sit there and say, where are things at? You look at smart people like David Blackman and some of the stuff they put out recently. It's like, okay, well, things could go very badly or things could go very goodly. It just kind of depends. We're still waiting on a deal with China. There's a lot of things at play here. And um, I don't know. The, it, it's slowing down should signal the market that, that, that production will slow down which should uh, at some point um, point us towards higher prices well you mentioned uh, the Haynesville a little bit earlier Ron we've had an article that came out uh, probably about a month ago now I think uh, Chesapeake acquired Wild Horse Resources I think it was for three billion dollars and we had talked a little bit about Chesapeake maybe making a turnaround i saw a article actually you posted this on linkedin earlier ron that their their stocks are hit a low yeah 20 year low their stocks hit a low today it yep. was uh, yep. so last hit a low week, today. yeah well that i think with an acquisition like that i think it's to be expected that stocks typically do decrease once a, a major acquisition happens but uh, there's a, another article that came out that said that wild horse resource development they formed a new wildlife energy in Houston, and they have one billion in backing from two major private equity firms. Um, so something definitely to keep uh, to keep uh, keep an eye on. So, yeah. So I, I wonder where wildfire is going to be uh, be active. Did are they going to be kind of going for the Haynesville since it's already what they know? I wonder maybe they will 
venture out to some different areas. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, gut tells me that probably um, go back to the Haynesville, I mean, uh, you know, or in the Eagleford area. So, well, actually, Josh, you know, it, because I don't know because they said that they're going to look for something that's producing oil and gas, and um, Haynesville is going to be pretty gassy. So. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to follow. Texas Eagle for uh, yeah. I wonder maybe if you know maybe someone like Nate would actually do something. Maybe get someone like that on the show to talk about it. That'd be that'd be nice. Wouldn't Josh have a guest on here every now and then? That'd yeah, be nice. yeah, like from somebody from Wild yeah, Horse. That'd be that'd be fantastic. Maybe we can get that done at some point. Apache, uh, they complete a midcon asset sales. Uh, provide second quarter supplemental information that's scheduled for August first. I don't know about y'all, but uh, I'm I'm planning to possibly listen in on that call. I just want to see what, what their company's doing. They were in the top 10 on the drilling down article that we had from earlier. They had $612 million of net proceeds subject to customary closing adjustments. And uh, of these, $150 million to retire some bonds that matured early in July. They are selling stuff in the Anadarko Basin and the Scoop Stack. So uh, Anadarko, uh, the Anadarko Basin and Scoop Stack, they're getting rid of some of their assets there. Yeah, why don't you go on there and uh, ask very, a question on behalf of the Texas Guys podcast. Will they let me do that? I, I don't know. You, just, you can try. You, you, you should get on there yeah. and ask them. Here's what you should do. You should get on there and ask the CEO of Apache if he thinks that Icon is pulling the, the Jedi move that we think. <laughs> That's what you should ask. In your experience, do you think that uh, Icon is potentially trying to devalue the Oxy stock so he can therefore pick it up? I think that would be a, this, a great question to get on there and ask him. That would be good. <laughs> I mean, if anything, they'd have to come listen to the show and just wonder who this, these, who this cat these is. These idiots. <laughs> what are they talking My name is Nate Hansen <laughs> with the Texas Long Guest Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that would forward. be hilarious. Oh. <laughs> All right, so uh, so there was an article that came out. <laughs> there was an article that came out. Uh, experts say the current plastic industry boom will be a bust in five years. So don't want to talk too much about this. There are some stats that they're going over about plastics, how people are moving to you know uh, paper straws and, and stuff like that. Only wanted to mention this article because. <laughs> A little while later, I don't know if it was coincidence or if this was a response, but <laughs> I saw that the Trump campaign is offering 10 plastic 9-inch red straws for $15. Um, and, the <laughs> and the title is Liberal Paper Straws Don't Work. <laughs> so uh, it says that their campaign has sold out of these straws. And so uh, I was just, I, just commenting that something that simple could possibly offset all of the projections that this guy made. So he may, he may have been doing research <laughs> yeah, Trump, for days. Trump voters come in and buy like billions of dollars worth of straws. <laughs> that would be a, uh, in 30 minutes, all of those projections are out of the window. You know, it's funny because we talk about making projections and uh, this is what I don't... So this guy, I don't know. I don't know Chris uh, Tomlinson, so he's happy to have him on the show. Uh, I don't know him. I don't... I probably read some of his articles, but I have no idea. Um... He says he's quoted in this piece as saying, "You're going to see, you're going to lay off people. There are 68,000 people who depend on the petrochemical industry for their jobs in Texas. The bigger challenge is going to be for the oil and gas industry who produces the raw materials to say to themselves, hey, maybe we're not going to have as much demand for our product as we think, and maybe we need to scale back our future plans.'" 
So again, this goes back to, and I always bring this up, as you know, because I've kind of got a special interest in Africa. Just been there and uh, followed a high level some of the stuff that goes on in Africa. Um, this is it's, it's kind of like, well, how do you know what the demand is going to be? Is this is this first world demand? Is this emerging market demand? Um, and, and how are you calculating? the demand growth as these more and more nations are becoming more and more closer to first world. You're not seeing big, large nation states reverting back to third world status. You're seeing nation states getting closer and closer to first world. Now, you do have recessions and you do have depressions and all these things that slow down economies and you do see people going to poverty, um, but you're not going, generally speaking, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and England's going to be a third world nation. Um, you know, could you have mass unemployment, thing like that? Sure. But what you are going to see is is somewhere like, um, you know, I don't know, the DRC or, or wherever, which is going to become closer to first world status. And is it plastic straws? You know, I know we're kind of having fun about, about that, but think about your car, all the plastics in your car. I'm looking at my desk right now. I've got a bag of sunflower seeds. I've got my switch. I've got a charger for my cell phone. I've got a couple water bottles here. I've got some Tums containers. I've got some fishing bait. Um, i got all kinds of stuff that's plastics. Well, the more, the closer you become to first, first world status, to use that term, that means the richer your nation is. And the richer your nation is, the more junk you buy like we do. And the more junk you buy like we do, what does that junk usually have on it, Josh? It has plastic. plastic. I mean, I'm just looking around. There's plastic everywhere, all over my desk. And so when I read these things, it's like, yeah, could there be a downturn? Could there be a slowdown? Sure. But if you're thinking that the straws or if you're thinking that, you know, um, you know, Ziploc bags or, or whatever, then you're looking at a very small picture. And also, um, I, the, the straw thing, I will say, there may be something to that because the straw thing, you know, there's there's a lot of videos you can see where the turtles get the straws. And so maybe people will transition from straws, but they're not going to put paper or wood in their car or they're not going to get, um, you know, their, their, their Nintendo Switches or their Xboxes or this stupid thing I got here or the my camera is made of plastic. None of that stuff, that stuff is all made of plastic. What else, what else is it going to be made of? And so if you can answer that question and it's, it's a viable answer that's, uh, as effective um, from a cost standpoint and a durability standpoint, then then I'd be willing to hear it. But right now, that's just not it's not viable. And so um, I actually don't I, I don't I don't buy this. Could it bust? Could it slow down? Sure, but long term, plastics are here to stay. Barring some something that we don't currently have, so that's always a caveat there, right? You know, oil and gas is here to stay. Barring something we don't have, uh, we don't currently have, and so I, I, I think pieces like this are a little bit over over the top. And I'm I'm, I'm not sure um, he's being quoted in this piece, so I don't want to. I'm not necessarily picking on him. Just just the idea in general. Agreed. I agree. I don't I don't see plastics going anywhere for a while. Like you say, barring something, a new discovery. I think of that movie uh, Iron Man Two, where at the end uh, he he makes that new element. He forms it. And Jarvis comes on and says, "You have created a new element." Uh, so unless something significant is is made, um, it, it would have to be. I can't think of anything that would even come close to replacing plastic at this point. Um, can't use metal. Can't use wood. I mean, I mean, you can, but I mean, but it's not going to work like plastic does. Not, no, and, no, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I think metal could feasibly work as well, but there's only a limited amount of it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, make, is it cheap? It, well, it, but is is metal, um, you know, 
There, there was a piece someone sent me the other day on on recycling and how much actual I think it was from Germany. How little of what Germany recycles actually gets recycled? It mainly gets burned up or sent to third world countries. And so you know, even this idea of, of recycling stuff, I'm not. Was, I think it was plastics in that piece they're talking about. But I'm not even sure that that's that's a that that I'm not sure. I was kind of caught off guard by that, so I got to kind of look at some of this recycling stuff. But yeah, but you know, if you wanted to make more metal products, okay, but you know, you're gonna have this is gonna eventually cost more, and you got to go do all yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I don't. I, that's the thing. It, 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 to me, these pieces seem to pretend um, like the entire world is going to stay at the current economic status that it is, and therefore, based upon that, these things will go away. And that's just not going to happen. If you go look at human, you go look at uh, global poverty, God, listeners, go look this up, go look at global poverty, and the numbers are staggering from where we were to where we are now. How much fewer people? Are the people in bad spots? Absolutely. But if you look at how global poverty is actually being erased, um, it is staggering. So if you, if you just continue those projections out, um, you know, you're going to have the wealthiest earth in the history of mankind, you know, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, continuing to grow, which means that they're going to have more demand for plastic, more demand for energy, more demand for oil and gas. Um, so, yeah, so I, that, that's to me, those pieces just don't take that into consideration. Agreed. Well, Ryan, I think that wraps us up for today, man. Anything you want to add before we, uh, before we get out yeah, of here? Yeah, so anything we missed today got wrong, just blame Nate Hansen. He is the producer of this show. And, uh, Let's get that out there. Um, and no, that's it. I think uh, I had a good time in Midland. Got to run some with some listeners, and so uh, Shack in the back. That was that was cool. And um, no events coming up, do we, Josh? We don't have events on the radar. No. Well, I will be uh, I will be traveling into Midland tomorrow. So uh, any listeners out there, give me a shout. You're, you're presuming uh, Nate's going to get this out before tomorrow. Don't don't. I mean, don't. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, that'd be some loyal listeners listening to it like first thing, right when it comes out, and then they can reach, reach out, out to me. Yeah, hit Josh up on LinkedIn or me on LinkedIn. You can uh, uh, Nate will link to that in the show notes. Textualguestpodcast dot com is the website. Corrections, comments, or concerns three one eight five nine 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 one nine two is the bat line. Hit us up, and until next time, keep climbing. Mm-hmm.